0: hello and welcome to the advertising podcast brought to you by Advertising, the advertising and marketing industries lgbtq advocacy group i'm your host joanne oates on our podcast, you'll hear us talk about industry issues that matter to our community. Plus, we'll talk to inspiring LGBTQ plus people in the industry about their lives and careers. So let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Joanne Oates. The 1st of December is, of course, World AIDS Day, the day when people, groups and organisations across the world unite in the fight against HIV and show support for people living with HIV and commemorate those who have died from an AIDS-related illness. Founded in 1988, World AIDS Day was the first ever Global Health Day. And that year was just a year after the UK government's well-known public health ad, AIDS Don't Die of Ignorance, campaign created by agency TBWA and voiced by John Hurt. For a lot of people though, this was their first introduction to HIV and AIDS, and it's still what people have most front of mind when they think about HIV healthcare advertising and campaigns. Well, fortunately, healthcare advertising around HIV and treatment outcomes have come a long way since then. Today, scientific advances mean that HIV treatment has improved, there are laws to protect people living with HIV, and we understand so much more about the condition. But that said, there are nearly 104,000 people living with HIV in the UK and globally there is an estimated 38 million people who have the virus. And despite the virus only being identified in 1984, more than 35 million people have died. HIV or AIDS-related illnesses, making it one of the most destructive pandemics in history. Each year in the UK, over 4,450 people are diagnosed with HIV, and the stigma and misinformation around HIV is still prevalent among society. According to Terence Higgins Trust survey in 2016, 30% of adults still believe HIV can be transmitted by sharing a toothbrush, while 20% think they could become infected through kissing. So the importance of World AIDS Day remains because it reminds the public, the government, that HIV has not gone away and there's still vital work that needs to be done to raise money, increase awareness, fight prejudice and improve education. So on this special World AIDS Day podcast, we have not one, but two guests to talk about their important work in the HIV campaigning space. John Chapman is the Chief Creative Officer at healthcare agency Havis Links. John tells us about the award-winning HIV campaigns the agency has worked on and their latest initiative, Ads for All and Health for All, which aim to improve representation of LGBTQ people in healthcare advertising. And we also speak to Phil Samba, who's the Strategic Lead at Prep for Queer Men of Colour who also worked on the Me, Him and Us campaign for GMFA, specifically targeting, representing and encouraging black men to get tested. We talk about the importance of awareness campaigning, especially around the antiretroviral drug PrEP. And Phil talks about the importance of queer men of colour teaching themselves and each other HIV prevention and how the community are disproportionately affected by HIV and poor sexual health. So we we'll are here from Phil first and I'll be back to introduce John chapman a little bit later hmm. so obviously it's world aids day and we're here to t- talk about some of the work you guys do at prepster so mm-hmm. tell us more about prepster at the work they do um especially the prep for queer men of color project that you work on as a strategy lead i really want to know about that
1: okay um so uh, prepster is a non-profit um, organization and um we work within um Within HIV and sexual health, primarily, but we do some we do cover other health issues. Basically, it was an organisation that started um, in 2015 because there was no there was a drug that stop stops you from getting HIV, which is called PrEP, and um, you take it before and after you, um, you have sex, which can stop you from getting HIV. Basically, like it wasn't available, it wasn't available in the UK anywhere in the UK at the time, and a lot of people didn't know that it existed. A lot of people didn't know. Like that it worked or believed in it or trusted in it, so uh, Prepster was like um brought together by activists who wanted to spread the word and that had been working in um in health promotion for a long time.
0: Okay, I've had that I mean, I've had a look at the website there's some great great content on there, some really great information mm-hmm. I mean tell us tell us a bit about your own journey and how you came to work in sexual health
1: so um basically, I met um the founders of prepster uh that are now my directors at work. And um, um, they were giving out uh, condom packs, talking about um, talking about prep and um, just its availability and how it works. And um, I just thought that I knew I was quite knowledgeable about it at the time, but it felt like a lot of people around me didn't know it existed or didn't know anything about it. So I kind of from there I I went to see uh, a, a a documentary by PrepStar talking about um, how to get it and um, the different kind of restrictions in different countries and things like that and um, I got interested in it there and then that got me into campaigns and then it just kind of slowly built from there.
0: So I mean you talks about some of the things like you know people aren't aware of it why, why do you think that is um, particularly you know in certain communities?
1: Um, I think um, it's a combination of things I think um, if you start from i guess your teenagers in this country like i wasn't taught anything about sexual health like um i was taught about um sex education but um i'm a gay man and everything i was taught was about heterosexual sex so if i don't learn that sexual health information from a young age where do i learn that and i guess that's through my own experiences so it's 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 there's a there's a range of different issues but like things like that is an example of why some people may not have the information or you know the stigma that surrounds a lot of um, sexual health
0: yeah and do you think there's a particular um lack of understanding stigma around queer men of color as well and getting access to that information is that i
1: think um there may be like a lack of, of awareness and um information But um, I think um, certain things kind of have an impact on those sorts of things. So a lot of messages, sexual health messages are in clubs and bars, for example. And um, a lot of information about um, sexual health and HIV has always been passed on through word of mouth. When you think back of um, the treatments that um, people used to use or used to talk about that were working back in the eighties or the nineties. So um, if a lot of queer men of color don't, don't feel welcome amongst the gay scene, then they're not going to get access to that sort of information. So there's, there's things like that. Yeah, I think um also a lot of the work that has been done with, within sexual health is um, a lot of the time is done by people that aren't like the people they're trying to reach. So I think there can be some struggles within the sector of working with people that are from those communities.
0: Yeah, because I mean, representation is so important in, in any sector that you're working in. If you You can't relate to the people who are giving you the information or talking mm-hmm. to you.
1: It's, it's, very, it's very
0: hard to take on that information, isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah,
1: and it's, it's, um, representation is like extremely important, and also for making the work, I guess, culturally sensitive and competent.
0: I mean, do you, do you think there's is it there's access problems to um, HIV, sexual health, and healthcare in general for queer men of colour?
1: There's also some, I guess, some issues with um, migrant men, so people that come to this country but don't know about. Um, like they don't know about um, the um, NHS in general, or they may think that it might threaten their immigration status or like their right to be here, yeah. or if they, if they don't have like um, legal documents to stay here. So things like that. And um, they may not know that they can go and access um, some sexual, uh, sexual health services. There's also um, a lack of uh, like specific campaigns.
0: And is that, I mean, that's specifically some something that you guys have tried to sort of address, really, sort of like mm-hmm. out directly. You talk a bit about some of those campaigns.
1: Um, yeah, so um, a lot of the campaigns, we uh, we actually work with people from the communities we're trying to reach. So um, if we're like we did, we've um, there's so many that we've done it's hard to cover um, even this year um, things have gotten more intense but we've done a lot of work around um, Covid and sex and how to have sex safely during this time and um, we've talked a lot about um, we've been making um, resources and um, we've, we've still been providing a lot of information on um, our website around co- uh, Covid and in how it affects in different ways
0: Yeah, I saw some of that on the website. It looked really, Mm -hmm. really helpful. I mean, tell us about you know um, with the pandemic this year, what what some of those issues are and how that's impacted your the work you guys do.
1: So um, surprisingly, um, the pandemic has made us even busier. (laughs) So lots of people I've I've known I've have like been furloughed, and some people around me have lost their jobs and things like that. But um, I've been working more in the you weird know. way i think because uh we just thought really strategically and we thought about what would we like to do next what would be what do people need right now what do people need to hear what information do they need to hear what like services are do people need right now that they're not going to know if they're open and um there be announcements about specific health services so how do we get that information to people in the quickest way so that's kind of where it started. And then we just um, wanted to have really strong leadership and to just go forward and maybe be a bit different from um, other organizations that we work with, but still collaborating with, with them organizations to in- ensure that the work is done. And done, I guess, more importantly now than ever is that all the work that we do is done to like a, a, a really good standard.
0: Yeah, and it's, yeah, it is. Because, you know, obviously sometimes when you, we're looking for this sort of, information it's not always presented in the the way that's accessible to everybody and i think Mm -hmm. that's what comes across when you look at perhaps the website is it's definitely very accessible and very you know easy to understand i I think that's really you know even if you're someone coming in you've got nothing you know nothing about the sector, (laughs) it's really really good i'd recommend everyone listening going to have a look at it because it's great um, so, you know, tell us a bit more about the, um, GMFA me, him and us campaign, which you helped mm-hmm. launch. Um, can you say what impact the campaign has had since it launched? Is it, is it still running in fact?
1: Um, so, uh, basically the, the me, him us campaign, uh, is something that I started on in 2017, which was, um, shortly after I met Mark Thompson and, uh, Will Nutland, my directors at Prepster and, um, they well Mark especially kind of um, invited me to help co-develop it and it was kind of at that point where I learned I kind of thought about my upbringing and how I grew up here in London and um, I grew up around a lot of straight black men because I went to an all-boys Catholic school in East London I also now as an adult I have like gay black friends my age and um, I kind of know how how different ranges of black men operate and because I've, I've grown up with them and because I am one and because I know them and I thought that we could do a ta- the targeting in a way that could reach people uh, from my generation but also making them feel represented and kind of doing it for just doing it in the way that it, it could work and reach everyone.
0: And uh, the campaign's still running in 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 some form. Right? Um yes,
1: actually, um um we this year so we've done it. This is the third iteration, and um this year we're actually we've been creating videos. So videos on um different subjects and different parts of um sexual.
0: Yeah, so where where can people go and find those? Can because we can um you can see that.
1: You can see that on um, on GMFA's uh, social media on Twitter and on Instagram, <laughs> so it's just it's just really exciting because um, you can see how the campaign has developed over time.
0: Yeah, and we'll put some links to those in the show notes because hmm. people can have a look. So um, with prep um, in Scotland, obviously it's free and the Scottish uh, National Health, Health Service. And earlier in the this year, the NHS finally announced that after its trial, that be rolling out. Prep to be available on NHS. Has that actually started yet?
1: Um, so the the national uh, the national service of prep has has started. Oh, but right. um, I think um, a lot of people believe that um, all the clinics um, are open and running, and that's not the case. Right. Um, all of the 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 sexual health clinics that were providing uh, prep as part of the Prep Impact trial, they'll already be automatically rolled on onto onto the service. But it's going to take um some other some other clinics to catch up because um they don't have a service like that in place and it's more about um uh, having people being able to be there to do the work rather than the actual work itself. Yeah. So um there's that there's there's a few other things such as um if you were on the trial originally um you might get a certain a different type of box uh, a different box of prep which is completely fine it's it's similar like makeup. And um there's that. So um there's many different things that I think people need to know kind of about uh, the the system, but um some of it is all over our website.
0: Yeah. And um, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, that in Scotland they've they've had it free for a while and then the, the National Health Service has taken so taking such a long time to sort of catch up. Why why do you think they took so much time?
1: Basically there was a lot of back and forth between the I guess the powers at bay and um there was a lot of campaigning so ever since prepsa had begun in 2015 um we've been like lobbying against um the i guess the government and in um the department of health to try to get a national service and we've been trying to provide information as well as keeping the community um aware of what's happening so yeah. um the reason i don't know why it took 5 years what I guess, I guess the reason when you think about it is if you think, if you think about um, who HIV uh, affects, it's um, gay and bisexual men, particularly um, a lot of men of colour, especially black men. Um, there's trans men and women, um, sex workers and uh, drug users. And if those are the demographics that are affected by um, HIV and poor sexual health, then those, those types of people are not prioritised when it comes to health. So I think that's that's been a massive thing. It's just it's odd that other countries in in Europe were a lot faster than than England. And I always thought from when I started is that if we can't get it right in England and if we can't do this in England, then how is it going to work in any other country?
0: Yeah, and it's so important that um, we do more to promote the use of uh, PrEP.
1: I think um, the the first thing to do is to to learn as much about it as as you can and to also speak to like your friends and your your sexual partners about your sexual health and things that you've learned or research that you've, pieces of research that you may have heard or articles that you've read or conversations that you've had with people. Because I think um, sexual health can be so stigmatized that um, it can limit a lot of information being shared, and it can limit a lot of sharing and things that are really positive for people and for the community. So I think that it's it's really important to learn first of all for yourself, and then to use that information to have open and honest conversations with people.
0: And what what can we more can we do to continue to reduce stigma around HIV in general? Do you think?
1: Um, I think you know, learning the facts. I think um, so many people still feel like um, HIV is exactly what it was in uh, the 80s and the 90s. And um, although, um, I guess, the, the, the rates of HIV are very different now and have gone down, but the, I guess the issues that people face, pe- the issues that people living with HIV face, particularly those that um, are long-time affected, is, is I think that those are where the, the issues lie now.
0: Yeah, so it's important that information is key, isn't it? And it's important people go to a a trusted source for their information.
1: Last year, we started a campaign called Long Time No Syphilis because um, rates of syphilis are skyrocketing amongst um, gay men. Um, Syphilis can be one of the most uh, stigmatised STIs you can have. And I think a a misconception about syphilis in particular is that um, you can you you can use a condom and you can still get syphilis because uh. it's spread through body contact. And um, if people do not believe that they have any symptoms, then they may not test. So I think um, that can be a massive issue. Um, there's also uh, there's been a lack of, I guess, specific ta- um, targeting at um, let's say men that are living with HIV because um, you need to go for blood tests to get uh, tested. And um, if that's if uh, men that are living with HIV that are on medication. They'll think that they may not need to do a blood test because they know they have HIV and they're taking yeah. their medication. So there's we're seeing a link between that as well.
0: You know, you obviously you can go to your doctor, but there's plenty of other places you can mm-hmm. go and get a test these days. And it's a lot, it's a lot quicker than it used to be. That's right, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So um you can go to um, your GP, you can go to your uh your like a sexual health clinic, but you can also order them online. So um, if you live within uh, uh, London and most, I think it's only three boroughs, it doesn't exist in. If you go to um, shl.uk, you can order a test from there. Or you could also, if you live outside of London, you can go to uh, I think it's uh, freetesting.hiv, and um, you can order a test from a free test on there. And you just um, you do uh, the swabs, um, read instructions, um, do everything it tells you to do, and um, uh, send it off. And you get your your results back within a few days. Yeah. but um i think because at at the moment because we are in this pandemic and um a lot of the testing is around um coronavirus so there may be a slight delay at this point right now but um the the results are usually done pretty quickly
0: it's just so important to to, to have the tests done isn't it i mean i remember mm-hmm. when i was you know sort in the 90s i had friends who were going for tests and that sort of the waiting time for the results was such a, a sort of like nerve-wracking key time but actually in-person testing now is really rapid isn't it yeah
1: you can um, usually get your results in the same day whereas yeah. um, i think um at times I, th- I can't remember if it was the 80s or the 90s but there was periods where some people would have to wait like two weeks for their results yeah, yeah just be living with anxiety
0: yeah so get tested and you know l- make sure you keep stay informed yes so, yes i think those are the key things phil thanks talk very much to your friends yes and talk to your friends exactly um phil thanks very much for that that was amazing um i thank really you. appreciate you taking the time That's great thank Let you for know. having me it was amazing to hear from phil samba there about all the amazing work they are doing at prepster and i really recommend going and looking at their website there's some links in the show notes there's some really good content on there to not only get better informed but also to share with anyone you think it would be useful to and now we're going to talk to John Chapman, who is the Chief Creative Officer at Havas Links. Havas Links, an agency mainly based in Manchester, but also have an office in London, um, award winning healthcare agency who in recent years have picked up Healthcare Agency of the Year at Cannes. And they've worked in the HIV sphere of healthcare advertising for a number of years, um, particularly on a couple of campaigns called Change the Face of HIV, which is a really interesting film to bring down the stigma and reduce stereotyping around those who are going to their GP about HIV or concerns about HIV. And they've also worked with their clients and a partnership of many UK HIV charities To raise awareness of the U equals U status, which means undetectable equals untransmittable, because it's now been scientifically proven that if you are living with HIV and your viral load reaches and maintains an undetectable level through treatment, you can't pass the virus on to anyone else. They've been working on a campaign to do with that, which has also picked up many awards. But I'll leave John to tell you much more about that. I hope you enjoy my chat with John. And this will be the last podcast for the year. So we'll see you in the new year. But in the meantime, here's John Chapman. For those who don't know about Havaslinks, I don't know why, because you know, you've know you completely award-winning, amazing healthcare agency. Tell us a bit about what you guys do and the scope of projects you work on.
2: Uh, Craigy, that's a good question. So <laughs> we are an ad agency that work within uh, the healthcare industry. And we work on um, obviously branded work products, Uh, for big pharma clients and we work on a lot of awareness uh, campaigns for different therapy areas uh, or normal speak uh, different conditions different diseases to make people aware of them so it it gets them to their doctors or it it changes the behavior or something like that Uh, we work with all kinds of clients mainly global Uh, we're based out of manchester and london and our work consists of all kinds of advertising, the full scope of it really, it's just full, full, full service agency, I suppose. Um, and it's both creative and medical, all kind of working together, which is super interesting. So yeah.
0: And full disclosure, I have actually done a bit of work with you guys myself in the past. And mm-hmm. what I find really exciting about the agency is um, just how. Um, it's a real mix of like creative minds, scientific minds, and it's that great collision of where all those things intersect that bring out some amazing ideas. It's just like a really exciting place to work. Do you feel like that, like in that, now you're sort of your CCO there obviously now?
2: Yeah, I do. I do. I still feel like that, most definitely. I still feel um, kind of, I still get excited by the work that we do do and the kind of briefs that come in. And um, yeah, it, it, to be honest, it's hard not to, you know, because of some of the the pretty the pretty hard briefs and that can be sometimes kind of, you go crazy, how are we ever gonna figure that out? But it, you do, you always do and the people there do and there's a lot of very talented folks there. Yeah. You know, you've got some very talented creative people and equally very, very smart, scientific medical people and then working with them both together uh, you come up with some interesting new stuff that that hopefully solves problems not only for clients but for for folks in the real world so yeah it's I still feel excited by the whole thing cool. um I think when the day if the day ever comes that I'm I'm not excited I should probably leave <laughs> uh, but, yeah
0: so how did you how did you get into that side of the advertising industry to begin
2: with I well, I worked in consumer shops beforehand and I freelanced a little bit. And then I worked at a, a little agency in the northern quarter in Manchester after leaving um, the northeast after university and moving down. Um, and then a, a job came up and I went to have a look at it. And it was coming up to 10 years ago that I joined what was then Creative Links. And it was like a a design place, really design agency that worked in done a bit of healthcare and wellness stuff, but also done public sector education, branded bars and restaurants and things like that, which was super interesting. Um, And I got, I got sucked into it. I liked it. And then um, it was just driven into the, the healthcare space, rightly so, because it was brilliant work that was happening. And we joined the Havas network and it's it's been it's just grown since then basically it's it's went through a huge transformation over the past especially the past few years but you know over the last decade it's it's grown from strength to strength so yeah i've never felt the need to to leave to be perfectly honest I've, yeah
0: well I've also been, you guys you picked up the healthcare agency of the year in can um a few years ago which is amazing amazing Um, so you know that's that's the sort of standard we're talking about so let's let's uh let's talk about a bit about it's world's aids day of course and um tell us a bit more about the work you guys have done in the hiv space because there's some again award-winning work that you guys have uh, created there tell us tell us a bit more about it
2: yeah sure we we've actually done quite a few bits of work for hiv kind um and there have been they've all equally been like really challenging stuff and it's a really sensitive area as well because of misconception because of stigma that's still around you know and and a lot of it's quite frankly nonsense and but people still don't realize that you know for for whatever reason but we've done a lot of work with Fiv healthcare who are part of jsk um and we've produced awareness campaigns for them for for the general public around the need for testing um and regular routine testing to keep you know prevalence of hiv under control and things like that then we've done public stunts in the middle of the city center just to at a very basic level change people's perceptions of hiv that it isn't a a scary disease and it's not doom and gloom and you know all that kind of bizarre stuff from the 80s which was you know end of the world type of thing and and that's still the prevailing some some of the still prevailing thought from then so you're tackling that all the time and then we've also most recently done a piece of work to communicate a message called U equals you which is uh, undetectable equals untransmittable and it's about uh the viral load in your in your blood being undetectable so you you Physically, scientifically, medically, cannot pass it on if you're on effective treatment that that maintains your levels. So, we've done a beautiful piece of work um, around that, which was was just to help you know people living with HIV understand what it what it means for them, basically. Um, so that is pretty pretty heavy lifting stuff, you know, pretty big big pieces of of work to to take part in I mean it was super satisfying as well mind you know and when it goes well and uh, but it's not easy uh, but it's it's worthwhile most definitely it's it's good it's interesting
0: yeah the u equals u thing is just such a uh, it's been such a fundamental thing in the way that people talk about HIV and and I think in terms of sort of bringing down stigma and some some of the videos that you guys have created there's just really nice sort of tone to them and and uh what, what's what's sort of next in that space for uh, for your clients is there anything you can share with us
2: loads of advances in treatment you know more more effective treatment with less side effects it means people living with hiv can live longer healthier you know grown old with it that was never a thing for folks you know 10 20 year ago it, it just wasn't um because of the 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 heavier side effects of some of the treatments but you know less 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 drugs longer lives type of thing um and just um so that side of it is is really interesting and really kind of um positive which is great you know
0: yeah and in terms of um obviously this year um the you know healthcare has been very much in the spotlight um, and obviously, people who uh, are living with HIV are, you know, vulnerable to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, what's uh, what's the, the what's the concern been in the healthcare industry around that, and um, what are the wider conversations that have gone on during the pandemic?
2: Well, I mean, there's been a lot of chat, obviously, and and again, it's it's such a changeable. Depends on who you ask, doesn't it? But there's a lot of concern because if you are in a group where you know you're considered high risk or if you're you're slightly more vulnerable than other folks because of you know the condition you have it's just precautions that you have to take so it's been working with clients to be able to try and do something that pitches it at the right tone that talks properly about things that doesn't um make it flippant make light of it but but also it doesn't patronize anybody and and be silly you know it just has to be quite straightforward and frank so there's been there's been a little bit of work around that and how we communicate that and, and and basically it's just to make sure people have the right information and they're not unduly worried or anxious about you know what can and can't happen there's still a lot of unknowns about covid there's still a lot of unknowns about you know how effective the track and trace system is, and you know, self-isolating and exposure, and all that type of thing. So it's it's taking a sensible approach, but but one that tries to to balance it that that doesn't cause you know widespread fear. Uh, I, I think you know that's the last thing anyone needs at the minute. To be put. Yeah,
0: sure. Um, and uh, one of the big uh, reasons I wanted to talk to you guys is you've, you've started to talk about an initiative you're doing uh, internally and I'm and, um, fascinated about, but called Ads for All, about um, increasing inclusion and representation of LGBTQ plus people in healthcare a- advertising specifically. So tell us a bit more about that and how the initiative is going to roll out.
2: So the ads for all idea came up from every year. We do something for pride from an agency point of view. So the agency's in Manchester, it's actually at the end of canal street. So it's, it's in a pretty vibrant, lively place. Um, and obviously Pride every year happens there. I mean, it didn't this year because of the lockdown and stuff, but um, we tend to just do something to show support. And this year Because of, probably because of all the different cultural things that have been in the news uh, and the current climate, it it made us think slightly different about it. And it became an idea based around misrepresentation. So if you look around advertising, yes, there's been misrepresentation of women, there's been misrepresentation of men, uh, ageism, all that kind of stuff. But but there's also still a lot of... uh, communities and groups that are underrepresented. And and we thought, isn't it an interesting, interesting problem to be in a position that you can actually help solve that. So we decided to do ads for all as a way to go. There should be more LGBTQ plus folks represented in healthcare advertising as a whole. And the idea then turned into a set of posters that we, we printed up and fly posted on Canal Street around the Pride event and social posts. And the headlines were, were deliberately provocative in a way that were just outrageously wrong. Mm. So the, one of the headlines was gay men don't get cancer. Now, anybody in the right mind looks at that and goes, don't talk nonsense. That is totally stupid. But then the payoff obviously was if advertising or especially healthcare advertising has led you to believe, you know, if you look across all the ads that that community is underrepresented, it's underserved equally lesbian community or the trans community, you know, so we started writing very simple, but very bold headlines around, um, you know, lesbians don't get diabetes um, or trans people don't, feel depressed, of course, That, like anybody and everybody, of course would do. Um, so it was trying to raise awareness about that and start a conversation to change it. And who else is better place to change it than people that work in advertising, especially in the healthcare industry. So we wanted to actively take a part in that to change something. So we don't have to write provocative headlines like that to get people to sit up and notice. Um, so it was to open the door, open the conversation with the community that we've worked with for a number of years to go, help me do this better? Um, and not only do we recognise it, but let's get involved, come along, you know, the best way to change people being underrepresented in, in a particular area is to use those people that are underrepresented to think of the ideas, to create them, to produce them, to star in them. you know all that type of thing so that's the start of that initiative so that particular campaign for pride was called ads for all because it was trying to change that problem of diverse and inclusivity and then it's basically blossomed into something much wider which is which is an initiative an agency initiative called health for all that we're working on so health for all is taking that Stance, but it's broadening it out, and, it, and, and the core of it is to address inequalities within healthcare and how they manifest themselves. So, is it the LGBTQ Foundation? Yes. What can we do to, to, to sort that out? Is it, you know, it, it, it's to remove bias, it's to remove stereotypes, it's to shift the misconception, um, and you know, that might be in testing for HIV. That may be in diagnosis for a, another condition where um, only men are, are, are the focus and women aren't. You know, so it's trying to address a, an imbalance that ultimately changes something for, for the better and make sure people are all right at the end of it. You know. Yeah.
0: And um, I mean, it sounds really great. And I think, you know, it's something that um, I mean, one of the things that I know you do with clients is um, you, you're educating healthcare professionals in terms of how they talk to their uh, patients about certain conditions and so there's there's some education pieces there I can see about how to you know be inclusive as a healthcare professional which you could could sort of take it to the next level. So it's really interesting.
2: Absolutely and in it it's in it's things like that when we try to just we've just started this initiative. So when we start talking about it, people go, oh, you could do this, or it could feed into that area. And you go, yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. And, and there's loads of stuff we haven't yet thought about. Um, but it's that whole thing of bringing in voices that one know more about it than we do and, and making them feel included and go, right, how do we change it? How do we help change it? And, and putting, like we said, there's lots of very smart, talented people in the agency Right, let's put them to, to to use, um, in a way that makes a makes a huge difference in you know societal difference ultimately, as as big and grand as that sounds, but that's the aim. So, yeah.
0: Have you uh, had much feedback from the LGBTQ plus community in Manchester from the posters? A
2: little bit, yeah. Well, well, they're one of our charities that we help each year, and I mean it's just been really positive stuff so far. The the feedback's been ace because it's it doesn't pander at anybody and it tackles something head on. You know, that those types of ads and those headlines are quite hard to ignore, but for the right reasons, you know, it's not, it's not causing controversy just to get somebody's attention. It's actually provoking a bit of a difficult issue. Uh, so the feedback has been great. And it's been, it, I think, I think the light, it, it's, it's been well received because it's authentic and it, it's understanding as well. And it's, it's not, it's not dressing it up in flowery advertising language. Yeah. <laughs> it's about it properly, you know. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, I mean, where, where's, where's your ambition to take it next year when hopefully we can do a bit more in-person stuff um, mm. with Pride, potentially?
2: Well, I mean, who knows? Pride's such a wonderful big thing in itself. It's like, you know, do we, do we get a float and do we float it down throughout the city and do something big and wonderful and something that's even harder to ignore um, and, and think of an idea around that. But I, I think it's the start of it most definitely. And what other organizations can we get to endorse it and, and, and pull into it? You know, pride's the start of it, but it's it's a wider thing. It's a bigger thing that, that goes into a lot of different avenues in, in people's lives. Um, that's, it's, that's just one aspect of it, you know. Yeah. So uh, Who knows where we'll take it?
0: Yeah, I mean, if there are any sort of charities or patient groups listening do, who'd be keen to get involved and help you in this journey, to, should they get in touch with you?
2: Absolutely, yeah, please do. I mean, the the literally the more the merrier because the more voices that are part of this and that shine a light on something that needs sorting out, then you can only do that with other people. You can only do that as a collective effort, you know. Yeah. It, it's It's one thing me banging on about it. It's a different thing, 20 other people banging on about it from much more diverse backgrounds that have got bigger audiences and, and have got more interesting things to say. So yeah, please do, uh, absolutely would love to partner up and make it a bigger initiative. The bigger, the biggest thing is basically what's been in the spotlight that that's now on everybody's kind of consciousness, which is part of like the Black Lives Matter movement. And rightly so and and everything else that's went on as well, you know that when you think back to the start of this year and last year, the stuff that's happened is actually quite unbelievable, so you go how do you how do you it's not about taking part of that because it's trendy or topical it's about going this is actually a huge thing, and we're in a position that we can help now, anecdotally from across the agency the, the brilliant thing is is we've Every year we take on lots of different grads as part of our graduate scheme. And that from a broader background, different, diverse background. And that's always been something that we've tried to push and instill in the agency and kind of how we work with people, but even more so now. And and the DI initiative within the wider have us networks been brilliant. You know, so we've had speakers from across the the network from across the world come in and, and do talks to talk about things at a much more authentic genuine level because they have faced it they've been through it and that's just spurred us on to think about something differently or change a practice or change a policy with an agency or go right how do we include this in this health for all initiative um and that basically boils down to education yeah so we have a we have an academy that runs every year at Links, um, and it runs throughout the summer. And we have guest speakers in, and we have all different talented folks doing talks, hour-long talks, that people go and attend, and things like that. So it's helped shape some of the content for that for for this year and next year, and it's just opened it up into a a, a broader, more interesting kind of curriculum if you like because it's run that way you know so so the sub the topics and the range of subjects that what we now broach and we talk about and we debate is is a is a bigger better thing and, and it'll only have a positive impact on people i think because it is education that's it it's all it comes down to
0: yeah, I mean that's absolutely right, and we mean you know we've been lucky enough to have advertising events at both Havas Links in Manchester and Havas down in London as well. So you guys have always been super supportive. So we really hope we can come back up there next year and do another one. So uh, it'll be really really great and potentially hear a bit more about health rule as things develop. So that's great.
2: Yeah, well hopefully we'll have more campaigns under under that initiative and there'll be more people involved so yeah that's that's the aim and and hopefully we'll have a lot more to chat about it
0: fantastic john well thanks very much for your time and uh
2: well, more than welcome
0: take care have a good evening
2: you too thanks very much
0: you've been listening to the advertising podcast hosted by joanne oates producer editor was rosie Ann boxall and podcast assistants were olivia hilton pennant and declan purcell to find out more about what we do at advertising, visit advertising.org. If you want to get in touch with us about any of the issues you've heard today or have any questions or anything you'd like to share, please email us at info at or search advertising on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for listening and see you next time.